Welcome to No Soul, a wrestling podcast. Uh, here we talk wrestling from the decades past, the present, and the future. Uh, rewatches, reimaginings, spotlights, fantasy bookings, Mount Rushmore lists, debates. It's, it's unfiltered pandemonium. My name's John. Uh, I'm someone who grew up fascinated by the WWF. Uh, late 80s is when I kind of tuned in. Uh, eventually grew to appreciate all aspects of pro wrestling. Um, I'm most likely to gravitate towards the storytelling aspect and the depth of the characters, things like that in the world of wrestling. Uh, when I feel like it's at its best, I love it. When it's at its worst, um, one of the harshest critics when it comes to wrestling. I'm joined by Frank, a man with a background in the mixed martial arts world, someone who not only appreciates a great story, but I think he relishes in the combat sport aspect of pro wrestling, the action, the match quality, the work rate, if you will. We don't always see eye to eye but when it comes to the modern product, that is, but uh, passion becomes heated. We usually fall into some kind of debate and a tirade about trying to prove our point right. I'm also joined by Duke, a historian of pro wrestling, a walking encyclopedia, someone that appreciates all aspects of the wrestling world, and usually the most fair and most capable of taming its opinions and trying to at least bring logic to the conversation. I think uh, Duke's fandom spans generations. He's got to see some of the best of the best in their prime. And I'm going to bring these two gentlemen in now. We're going to get into it. The Big Bang, the Genesis, the beginning. So we're going to definitely be getting into what we're going to call the Big Bang, I guess, where it all began. We want to go the Big Boom, the Big Bang, the Genesis, not the TNA pay-per-view. Wasn't that a TNA pay-per-view? Yep. Genesis. Genesis, Yeah, Genesis. Yeah. Don't act there. I think I was actually for that one. So we want to eventually get to the rock and wrestling connection. That's our goal with these first few podcasts, first few episodes. We want to tackle the late seventies and the early eighties into the mid eighties, which WrestleMania one came into play. Um, Duke, definitely the historian, the walking encyclopedia of the group. I think, you know, a lot about those early eighties territories and uh, just what was happening, what what the pulse was overall uh, in the wrestling world. But I feel like if we get into like right off the bat, 82, which was a little bit before Vince officially swooped in and kind of took over and created the monopoly that was, uh, we could talk a little bit about some of those territories, maybe early 80s. I guess it was AWA, which was Gagne, Berg Gagne and and Gagne and the AWA uh, and the NWA, which I guess spanned the whole you know, United States, but um, just some of the names that might yeah. jump off the page for you guys, the guys that were floating out there around those times. Yeah. I mean, um, Vince definitely took the guys that, you know, like Ricky Steamboat, Jake, the snake, if you watch them at mid Atlantic, like they were great, like wrestlers, pro wrestlers, but like Vince always took these guys and like took them and like gave them a fresh coat of paint. He gave Jake the snake, you know, put him in the green tights with the snake on the side, like, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I mean, and WWF was actually part of the NWA, too, at one point. So, like, 
Um, one yeah. Thing. Uh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, I was, I was thinking like all through the seventies, it's weird to, to think about how Vince was actually just like a commentator yep. for his dad's company, like watching, you know, what he would eventually run. But towards the end of the, that era, like you, you could see like guys like Billy Graham, who was mid Atlantic too, I think, uh, and Snuka, like he, he literally looked at those guys and I guess stared at them for 10 years from the other side. And then just for him to take them and like put that fresh coat of paint. And all of a sudden Jimmy Snuka, I think was like his focal point early on. It's just bizarre to me. Cause it's like, he had all that time to stare. And then, yeah, I mean, Vince was high on um, superstar Billy Graham. Like he wanted to push him to the moon and his dad just wasn't, he wasn't doing it, you know? Like they say, like he was, he was too soon. You know, he was like 20 years too soon because he could have been, I mean, you look at everybody that emulated him. It's ridiculous. Like it's a who's who of professional wrestling, the guys that emulated this guy. And like, I always think like, what if they, you know, went with him as like the guy, you know, rather than like Bruno or Backlund, who I love. And I've come to respect a lot like going back and watching that stuff because they're before my time but like um it's crazy to think like what could have been you know yeah superstar actually i think uh that he quit vince senior's wwf in 78 and um i think vince wanted him to come back as a baby face initially and he wouldn't do it and then it, it was one like of those martial things martial artist wasn't he just like a martial artist when he came back That's all old like gave up Came in as a, a karate gimmick. Yeah. yeah, that was a little later on. But uh, yeah, with all those colors and like you said, so uh, emulated and imitated. But um, yeah, some of those other names, like I'm just going to let Duke talk for a second for even in the AWA at that time, like who was Gagne pushing like at that time? Like who well, was Bachwinkle, probably the champion, I guess. Yeah, Bachwinkle was probably running it, you know. Yeah. After uh, Vern was done himself as being the top guy, I think Vern yeah. preferred uh, Bachwinkle over Hogan uh, in general. He did. he did. Hogan won the strap over there and then lost it twice in like Fugazi ways to back to Nick Bachwinkle. Yeah, that's just crazy to me. To that's part of like, why. That's part of how Vince was able to steal Hogan. You know what I mean? Just because Vern shot himself in the foot, wouldn't give him the strap. Said he didn't need the strap. You know, I guess, I mean, in, in certain ways, he's right that Hogan was so over, but yeah, I mean, it cost him ultimately. Yeah, it's bizarre to think um, just what, what would have been if like Bachwinkle recognized or uh, Ganya recognized Hogan over Bachwinkle because in general, I don't think Bachwinkle would have, I mean, he could talk. I know you love him, Duke, but would he have translated into the WWF? Bachwinkle? Bachwinkle. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Here's the thing, and this is what's a problem with current pro wrestling, in my opinion. Like, good and evil is always going to be a thing. Like, you can always have storylines with that. And when all these guys are tweeners, you know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, that's one thing I do love about AEW. It seems like their fans always boo, like, the bad guys. Mm-hmm. But- like you know like because um you know nick bachwinkle was awesome he was classy like similar to rick flair you know like i'm better than you type thing you know um but i mean obviously paul Hogan was the right choice i mean jesus 
in June of 82, it was when Vince finally, you know, however he ended up purchasing, swindling, you know, acquiring the company, um, the state of the territories at that time, you know, I feel like it shook the whole entire business, obviously, like across the whole wrestling industry. It started to become controversial. You know, I think Vince put a lot of people out of business, but there's the argument that he eventually, even though, cause he acquired a lot of guys and not all of them worked out, but they then had up their ante, you know, created a bigger name to go work in other places, even back then, you know, which he still kind of does now. So it's just interesting to think about. Um, it's also arguable that I know it's common, like, you know, that people's thought process that Vince put them all out of business, but you know, a lot of those guys were stuck in their ways too. You know what I mean? And as the game changes, you have to adapt because you watch those shows, you know, if you watch those old Mid-Souths, you watch those old, especially AWA, they're like, it's hard to watch, you know, from like a poor, like a entertainment value. You know what I mean? A lot of it, because it's like so old school. And then Vince is coming in doing a very new school for the time, very modern looking production you know and it sort of changed the game like even just watching stuff this past week when you go back and forth from vince's show to theirs it's like bro it's such a difference you know what i mean yeah there was a circus element to those like awa mid-south shows but they still had like the simulated like the the sport aspect the simulated fight aspect yeah definitely more violent definitely more like real i guess you can say you know what i mean there's every mad like every main event was like a bloodbath you know what i mean like anytime it was a real feud it was super yeah. intense you know yeah 100 would you do you and it wasn't this- cartoony and like i prefer that you guys know me i prefer you know stuff like that like more of a adult program you know what i mean versus like a kid show but, but the spectacle you appreciate yeah, i do i do especially those crowds because all the crowds are hot Oh my god! At that time, all the crowds are hot, but like when Vince had a crowd, it was just a mega crowd. You know what I mean? Versus like these smaller buildings, these smaller shows. You yeah. know what I mean? Always like higher scale. But when you watch those old NWA shows and like those studios, oh my god, those crowds are incredible, man! The enthusiasm of those crowds, like oh, forget shit. it. I wish I felt like that when I watch it now. You know what I mean? I know. Same. Yeah. Because now, honestly, when I watch wrestling. Like, I can enjoy it, but it's not like I'm, like, cheering for somebody or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. just kind of watching. You know? Yeah. When you watch those old shows, um, do you feel like Vince, um, like, his commentary, you know, because he got more cartoony even when, because we were watching those shows from, I think it was Mid-South and um, just the championship wrestling. What was it? All-Star Wrestling? All-Star? Yep he was more like subdued he was calling the action he was like more of a commentator of a sporting event it's just funny to hear like back then vince compared to how he became so over the top with every word you know previously to him owning it yes yeah previous to him owning it i mean i would assume that's probably just out of respect for his dad like you know once he owns it he can do whatever he wants right yeah it was his it was his to do whatever he wants but um I definitely want to talk about some of the the names that were floating around there, though, like when Vince uh, purchased, like how he started to acquire guys and 
he, the wrestlers he started with at right after the purchase. I'm just going to read off a few names to you guys just to maybe grab your thoughts. Um, and some are managers, but like his starting roster included guys like Captain Lou, Freddie Blassie. They were like the mainstays. Mm-hmm. Bob Backlund was still on the roster. Yep. Who I think that was Vince Senior's golden boy, honestly. Um, but I think it was just too boring, probably yeah. for, for Vince. Yeah, for Vince. Um, and I heard. I a mean, story. but he won the strap in the '90s still too, Bob Backlund. So you know, That's that true. was a great storyline, though. What they did with him, but yeah. Harry- yeah, no, and I think it's funny. Uh, we we heard the story that Bob Backlund didn't want to turn heel to fight Hogan, so he just kind of left Vince's new WWF um, early on. Um, Pedro Morales, who he was away, I think he was working in Mid Atlantic actually be, before Vince made the purchase. He came back, and uh, I think Vince tried to feature him, but he was an aging star. I'll keep going down the list. Um, Don Morocco. He was one of the top stars early on. Ivan Putsky, uh, George the Animal Steel. This was the roster. The Wild Samoans were one of the only tag teams um, that they really had on the roster. <laughs> and then these are the guys Vince signed right after the purchase. So I'm just going to throw these names. So superstar Billy Graham from Mid-Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Iron Sheik from Georgia Championship. Mm-hmm. These are guys he brought in right away. And hold on, this is when Billy Graham came back as the martial artist, too, right? Uh, no, he actually quit in '78 when Vince uh, refused when Vince refused to turn him a babyface. Actually, Vince okay. Senior. So then in '82, uh, okay, did he come back bald? Then is that what it yes. was? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, so she came from Georgia Championship. We had uh, Rocky Johnson, Mid-Atlantic, Jimmy Snuka, Mid-Atlantic, and Big John Studd, actually an NJPW at the time. Um, so these were the guys. Like, Hogan wasn't even on the roster. Andre weren't. This is the, the foundation. Any of these names uh, for you guys, any of your personal favorites, any of these guys for as fans, any of these guys stand out to you? Anybody? You guys, uh, Jimmy Snuka fans? Uh, Jimmy Snuka is the nicest pro wrestler I've ever met. I can say that. From a personal experience? I knew I knew you were going to say that. I, like, had a moment, but from, you know, because you go up and you're, like, you know, thank you for putting your body on the line, blah, blah. And he's like, no, like, completely, you know, in character, you know, like, no, thank you, brother. He, like, put his head to mine. I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome, you know? Yeah, you I, love I, you, you I liked, that. I like Snuka, but, like, he was – Again, when I started, like he was kind of at his end. You know what I'm saying? So, like, what's your Snuka memory as a fan? Like, if you had one, I mean, obviously everybody else's Piper hitting him in the head with a coconut, probably. You know what I mean? Like him jumping off the cage. But again, I thought I you thought you were going to say that. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't live that. You know what I mean? Like I went, I've gone back and watched that, but you know, my first wrestling. My first World Wrestling Federation memory is Hogan winning the belt. Yeah. I'm and, like, first... and I've gone back and watched, but, you know. Do you have any memories of Snooker? Have you, do you, do you, have you watched a lot of Snooker in your life, Frank? Personally, no. I mean, I know the jumping off the cage. I know, like, the classic moments of yeah. Snooker, you know, and I, and I see Snooker 
enduring events, you know what I mean, that I do watch, you know, but like me personally, I have no like relationship with Jimmy Snuka, you know what I mean? No, yeah. Just, to know that he was the guy though that Vince wanted to hitch the wagon to before yeah, there I mean, was a whole seems yeah, it seems like crazy and like in, in retrospect, you know what I mean? Like at the time, I know he was super over, you know what I mean? Like I know he was doing stuff like that cage jumping stuff that was like unheard of for the time, you know. The body, like, he was a body guy. Yeah, he was a body guy. I mean I I think it is it that crazy? Like Vince loves these huge dudes. He was all jacked up like well he was he, a journeyman in yeah. in like in the NWA territories. He was just jumping around and I think eventually he got lured by Vince, but it's weird because they didn't see it, but Vince, it's always kind of been that way. I guess like sometimes he hits and, and, you know, he hits a home run. Sometimes he strikes out, but it's just interesting. Where do you think Snuka falls, I guess, in the, you know, the wrestling, you know, uh, hindsight. In hindsight, do you feel like he's, if we just had to say, Oh, he top 50 guys of all time, most important or best is Snuka even. Cause I feel like he's overlooked. Already, we're going with the list, man. I don't know. I mean, does he in your top fifty, top twenty? He 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 wouldn't be in my top twenty for sure. Right, right, definitely not. Once again, what are you basing the list on? Blah blah blah. Personal favorites? No, he's not my list. Any of okay. the guys just named personal favorites? No, but I have come to appreciate these guys a lot more, like going back and watching stuff like Bob Backlund, like. I didn't see it before, but like I go back and I watch stuff. I'm like, man, like if he was, you know, apples and oranges, but like he's, he was a wrestler. Like mm-hmm. he was a regal, a Benoit, Malenko. Well, Pickle, th- you know what that, I mean? That begs the age old question in wrestling, though. And it's, is charisma more important than athleticism? It absolutely is. Like if pro wrestling, if that was what it was about, Stephen Regal, William Regal, whatever, would be a household name. It's not about that. That's why your mothers know who the Macho Man is and Hulk Hogan is, because it's about sports entertainment. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that one is right or wrong, but we all know that. You know, it's not about wrestling. Do we, though? I mean, well, we, yeah, I guess we could say we know that. But I would say a lot of people are. Frank will probably jump in here. You know, I, I, I value wrestling personally, but I know that's a personal preference. You know what I mean? Like I know, cause there's plenty of guys who like, I love like, in you know, like modern time, like a Malenko and stuff like that, who they have a ceiling because of they are what they are. They're just workers. You know what I mean? And so like, I understand that these characters, I mean, Hulk Hogan's the biggest star of all time, you know? And like, he can work. Could it work, brother? Yeah, he could work the whole system. But like, if you're talking about a technician, obviously it's not Hulk Hogan. You know what I mean? And it's just like, but I get it. You know what I mean? I get it. Warrior was an even bigger example of a guy who was like extremely over. Everybody loved him. His entrance was more over than anything. Did did this is like totally off topic? But did like Brett and Sean, who we loved, like oh maybe you know I know Frank didn't love Sean, but like we their style of wrestling. Did it actually hurt the business in hindsight because they made it way more important to kind of focus on the athleticism and the, the shoot style? The It's a real fight, which is cool. But like now people in hindsight swear Warrior wasn't a great worker, but we believed it. Like that's what it's all about, I think. Well, I think 
in pro wrestling, like, here's an example. Like, one of my favorite matches ever is Ultimate Warrior versus Macho Man at WrestleMania 7. And it has nothing to do with, you know, his ability to do a hip toss, but, like, it's storytelling. Like, that's what pro wrestling well, I, be whatever you I'd, yeah. I'd argue that match isn't nearly as good though if Mach isn't so good in the ring oh, as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah, but did man. you not did you not like Hogan and Warrior as a as a match, Frank? I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Me, for me personally, I think it's I like the spectacle of it. You know what I mean? Not as like a match, right? Like it's not, you know. You believed it though, right? Yeah, uh, yeah sure. You know what I mean? Because those are the two biggest dudes on the planet. You know, at, at some point with pro wrestling, you have to like suspend disbelief you know yeah. what i mean and it's like when you see those guys you just go like you look at them and it's like oh these guys look like a million bucks you know what i mean they're huge and this is a fight with all the belts on the line you know what yeah. i mean so like yeah you you believe it for different reasons and it's a story that they build you know it's i think everything works in its own way you know what i mean like you could have two technicians in there doing a solid grappling match and if they know how to work and they're crispy clean you know what i mean it's amazing and then you could have two goofballs who couldn't, you know, lay somebody like Kurt Angle's boots, you know what I mean? But if the story is right, you know what I mean? If the stakes are high, it all matters. You know, it's just different, you know? So, yeah, it's like I said, it's the is charisma more important, important than athleticism. That's going to probably always be an argument. I guess the best guys, or at least some of my favorites, like somehow had both, you know, Mm -hmm. or at least in my opinion, whether it is Christian off the top of my head or, you know, I mean, I thought Sean was great in all aspects. Real quick, though, to get back to your question, because we never really answered it. Did Brett and Sean, like their rise to superstardom hurt the business? Um, I mean, I don't think so, because they still had that storytelling. Like, I'm watching um, Raw from the beginning right now, and I'm in 94 right now, and uh, Brett has you know the program with Ellen, which was storytelling still. So mm-hmm. I mean, get storytelling. One of my favorite matches. Yeah. Me too. Well, so I'm on the SummerSlam match. Yeah. The WrestleMania also match, great. Yeah, the WrestleMania match is my favorite, but um, you know, the point is like I don't know if it hurt, if it hurt the business because it's still. We were talking about this too, John, in private, like how Brett couldn't cut a promo. That's bullshit. Because we believe that's bullshit. Yeah, like was he as good as Hogan or? Yeah, I, I I think what Brett's promos are, he had to work hard on them. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he was he had to work hard on them. Maybe he had to take it took more tries than other guys. But I yeah. think when he delivered it, it was like okay, you know, I, I believe, believe it. it. You know, and what I mean? also think that he wasn't good at promos because he wasn't a bullshitter. Yeah, like, yeah, and sometimes you know theory. that's part of it. Yeah. And yeah, like, like I will I, argue that those guys did not hurt the business because they're both part of like one of the biggest points in the business's history. You know what I mean? Like maybe they weren't the biggest guys of that moment. You know, I'm I'm and, just I'm actually surprised that Vince ever even went with Brett. Yeah. You know? awesome. Well, I, I think what I was like, yeah, I guess what I was trying to say by hurt the business is like you know all these guys now, like obviously they're obsessed with Bret Hart. Some with Sean, like maybe there's even just two camps. Maybe you have like the Regal camp as well. Who's another guy that should probably get some credit as a technician or just a wizard in the ring. Um, but like these guys, they're idolized for their work rate and their, you know, their style in the ring. 
but that's all it's become about for some guys. And they've totally forgotten about the character, the depth of the character, the spectacle. And like you said, Frank, like um, the suspending of disbelief, you know what I mean? Cause sometimes like those hard hitting, like strong style shoot fights look faker to me than two guys, like just doing a test of strength for, you know what I mean? It could be too yeah. exposed. And I, I think that's just based on what you prefer as a fan growing up. You know what I mean? Like all these guys, like if you like Bret Hart, your style is going to reflect Bret Hart's, you know what I mean? But if you're a Hogan fan, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like your style may be more of that sports entertainer type of thing that we're used to. You know what Those I mean? Those guys and seem fewer and far between now, I feel like, though. Those yeah, young maybe, guys. But, I, but we're ju- it's just, when was Brett champ? Brett was champ 30 years ago. You know what I mean? So it's just like the times are kind of kind of changing, you know? Yeah, no, I, I just thought that was an interesting thing to bring up because – I think soon, about that soon sometimes. we're going to get to a generation who all they know is Roman, John Cena, Randy Orton. You know what I mean? And who's to say it doesn't revert back to that style? You're saying that with a theory now. You could see yeah, he's a Cena. Yeah, there's plenty of guys. You know what I mean? There's plenty of guys. And there's kids right now watching it. that show who's going to be a wrestler in 15 years or so. You know, and they're not even going to know two Bret Hart matches off the dome. You know what I mean? But they'll be able to list every John Cena moment. You know what I mean? So. It's right. just, I think it's just the nature of the beast. I don't think, cause like, we don't think like, oh man, like those guys, like, like we were talking about with um, like Pedro Morales and Bruno as the champion. And uh, we don't go, oh, it turned into this like slow pace. It, it just evolved differently. You know what I mean? Like every, it is, we'll, we'll see. And I think time will tell. I don't think those two, Brett or Sean heard the business. Cause these guys like love their style now maybe more so brett i guess because sean still has a i think sean's probably more reflected more in today's style than brett even you know because that's a guy who could have a technical match but he could do the crazy stuff as well with the last sell his ass off cage matches oversell sometimes as well also Mm -hmm. cut promos but not the best you know what i mean i think he probably has more of an influence on a lot of guys in modern day wrestling than brett i I feel like it's almost fell into those two camps oddly enough it's weird uh, every match has seven super kicks now. So exactly, it's yeah. We, that's another story for another day, for sure. <laughs> this, we'll call that one the super kick uh, party. Part, party pooper, right here. Party. But um, yeah, so I feel like in '82, uh, like I mentioned, some of those names I rattled them off. But um, do you guys have any memories at all of like Big John Stud or Iron Cheek? Did you connect with them at all? All I know, really know, like that I've watched John Studd is stuff with Andre. Yeah. Obviously that rumble. You know what I mean? And But that's it to me. Um, A quick little nugget about Studd, just just to kind of just introduce you. Maybe you didn't know this, but like he was, Vince McMahon was trying his hardest to get Andre well before he could. And he failed. So he had kind of had to settle for Big John Studd from, um, I guess it was New Japan at the time, New Japan Mm -hmm. Pro Wrestling. And uh, it's just interesting. Like, I feel like he thought he found his guy, but stud, even when you watch like some of the stuff on the Tuesday night Titans, he always needed a mouthpiece, even though he looked the part, I, I guess there was something missing there that it didn't translate. So, yeah, I think it's like maybe that next batch, the guys that Vince got when it was like, I don't even know if it's the next batch necessarily, but like when he started bringing in guys like JYD and Hogan and Jesse Ventura and all these types, where it took his show to another level. You know Bobby I mean? the Brain like Heenan. Heenan. Yeah, Heenan. was huge. But, yeah, I want to get into those guys. Duke, you have any memories of Big John Studd at all that you want to share? Uh, once again, without 
you know, going back and watching, uh, no. Um, I do remember, what were the two names you mentioned? Big John Studd and... Uh, and the Iron Sheik. Iron Sheik, like I said, the first, I don't know if it was the first WWF match that I saw, but that's my first memory. Hogan beating the Sheik. And then, like, you know, the Sheik ended up going to WCW after that. Um, so, like, those are my memories. But since then, I've gone back and watched. So, but previously, you know, before watching that old stuff, no. Um, Big John Studd, I kind of remember, like, the whole body slam challenge thing. I don't know yeah. what your was, but that yeah. seems really well. And then he ended up, like, turning good when I was watching. Um, I don't yeah. remember now, but. Yeah, I feel like my first memory of Big John Studd, believe it or not, is those the lj were they ljn the big figures? Yeah, yeah the big rubber figures yeah rubbery this, figures yeah. yeah that was the only one my like a cousin of mine had and i was just like you know enamored with that figure but once i saw him on the screen move on though those were the first wrestling figures i ever got i got the british bulldogs like a tag team set of those they, they were the first wrestling figures i ever got sick that's awesome actually um, and for, for Sheik, my first memory of him is as Colonel Mustafa. Like I was a kid watching Survivor Series and I thought, oh, this Colonel Mustafa. But then in retrospect, the more I got to. So that was probably after he went to WCW, right? That was 91. Yeah. Um, Colonel Mustafa yeah, was like 91. He must have gone to WCW. Yeah. And then he came back. Because mm-hmm. I remember he lost to like Mike Rotunda. At yeah. like a bash or something. Okay. And dude, like this is a former WWF champion. And Vince brought him in. I th- uh I was reading anyway to beat Backlund to set it up for Hogan. So yeah, yeah, just the chain. That that's the a- transitional champion. Like that's like kind of like where that term comes from, I believe. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, chic. So um yeah, those were some of the guys in 82, uh, the biggest names. And if we transition just a little bit in 83, just to kind of keep a timeline going with Vince, like working with all those new recruits. I think he had Snooker, like I said, he was pegged to be his guy. Um, fell off, so fell completely out of favor with Backlund by then. Sheik was in. And I think he was trying to revitalize the roster. He brought in guys like, I'm going to read off Paul Orndorff. Tito Santana, Slaughter. Um, some of these guys came from Georgia Championship Wrestling, some of them from Mid-Atlantic. Those were the three big signings in 83. So now we're bringing in more guys. You guys have any opinions or thoughts on any of those three, Frank? Slaughter, never cared. Never oh. cared about him. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it's like, you know, like what, even, even like in retrospect, I watched some like old stuff, you know, like especially like AWA stuff. And I just... I don't get it. I don't get it. I really personally, you know what I mean? This is just me looking at it from the outside. What was that? Him and Patterson, that match. No, no, well, you you were in the minority, I think, because in real living color, they brought him in as a heel originally, but like he, they could not stop cheering, you know, no, I get it. He's just one of those like legends that for me is just never hit. You know what I mean? I don't know if it's just his look, his style, in the ring, you know what I mean? But I just, because to me, personally, it felt like everything was very slow. Uh, 
I didn't like like the uh, him on the mic. You know what I mean? Like every promo he had, like even as me, a heel. Like, yeah, even as a heel, because to me as a heel, it was cheap. You know what I mean? So like, I what, don't just know. Like I just the anti-American. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just didn't buy it. You know what I mean? Personally, but like I said, this is me watching in retrospect as well. That's fair I'm though. The, I'm the youngest. Of this I think that sometimes when you watch in retrospect, you'll actually appreciate stuff more. For sure. You yeah, he might not be your cup of tea. Yeah, exactly. That's why I think that's all it is with Slaughter. That's why I pointed I, him out. That's why I singled him out. He, I think he's so good, man. Like his, but again, in retrospect, right? You know, like I hated I, his guts for sure. When I was a kid, I hated his guts. You know, besides like I guess I was supposed to the GI Joe mm-hmm. thing. But like since then, like that Patterson match, I mean, I love that. Frank, have you watched that match, I Patterson? Have. Yeah, he I, I thought it was just like as real as it comes as far as a knockdown drag out. No, for sure. And I do like I could like find stuff in the match, you know, that I think is cool yeah. or whatever. Yep. And then like and Pat Patterson, I like a lot, actually, even though I was talking trash a little bit the other day. But, uh, you know, I do like Pat Patterson. You know what I mean? So like I, I respect it, but it's just like overall, it's like the whole package. You know what I mean? It's sort of like I could like a match from a guy, but overall I'm still like, hey, you don't do anything for me, you know? Yeah, well, maybe we'll dig into Slaughter uh, another time and and actually like we could do some shows on some of these guys, some spotlights yeah, yeah. and just maybe dig a little deeper. Maybe you'll uncover something about Sergeant Slaughter that, you know, you actually, I mean, the G.I. Joe thing, I didn't realize, I guess that was the reason he left WWF. Vince wouldn't let him actually do the deal so he's like i'd rather have gi joe yeah I mean, that, he was huge he's in gi joe the movie like the animated movie he's a huge part of that yeah he's immortalized so um slaughter do you guys have any opinions on tito santana or mr wonderful before I we... both of those dudes personally um again old school that's what i'm always gonna and tito, you know i think tito santana is a good example of a guy who's just more of a worker than anything else yeah you know good. what I mean? Especially for that time. Yeah, good hand. And it's like, I think there, it, you see why he get to that next level. You know what I mean? Like, although he was like a good, the mid-card king for a while there, especially in WWE, you know, but. Well, no they, you know, you can have friends, you can have money in pro wrestling. And maybe he was too nice a guy, you know? Yeah, yeah that, I hear that a lot, that he was too At nice Paul a guy. Orgor, I did. I have always liked uh even when he went to like WCW and like was with um, Paul Roma, like pretty mm-hmm. one. Yeah, yeah. I like those dudes. I don't know. I, See, I like Orndorff. I like Orndorff actually. Yeah, to no, me, I, he's like a, that's like a heel when I think of like a heel wrestler. When he was like, I was watching some stuff of him old oh, when he was like a baby face. Yeah. And I was, I was not into it. I was just like, yeah. God, this, it just rubs me weird. You know what I mean? But well, as a heel. Mr. Wonderful, you know. Yeah. Kind of hard. Yeah, I feel like with Tito real quick, um, when I think about like the middle of my card, you know, the mm-hmm. intercontinental status, I mean, he's one of the first guys that comes to my mind all the time. And I guess that's a cool, you know, title to have if you're going to be remembered like you're you're OK, maybe you weren't world champion 10 times over, but you needed guys like him uh, and you still do. And that's kind of the problem I have with like some of these, like AEW, WWF, WWE, they let all those guys run together. You know what I mean? Like where it's, you can't differentiate the mid card from the main event. AEW does it better than WWE, I think. Yeah. I think WWE's lost their way with it, you know, because it used to be like, 
the belts were like stepping stones. You know what I mean? So like you yeah. got that IC belt and it was like, oh, you know, you're not quite the main event, but you're getting there. Sometimes you would headline, but like, you know, it was like, that was your first step. And then you became the champion. And then eventually that kind of got lost in the mix. And yeah, but if you saw Tito, um, yeah, you're right. But if you saw Tito team with Hogan and Warrior, remember we were talking about this Duke at the Survivor Series, he was like with these larger than life main eventers, and it was like cool to see just for once, you know, like yeah. a mid-card guy. But then it never happened again, which yeah, is yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah like, it happens. That's how it goes, right? Like everybody can't be the guy. That's part of, that's cool. part of my problem with current wrestling. Everybody wants everybody to be the guy. You know what I mean? And then and they give know, out, you know, now they give out lifetime achievement awards. Lifetime achievement, yeah, lifetime but, achievement you know, titles. Respect to anybody that's won the world title, but like, you know, guys get belts because they're with the company. And yeah. like it, that shouldn't be a thing. Should never be that way. Yeah. Like, you know, not to point somebody out, but like Christopher Daniels in Ring of Honor, they gave him the Ring of Honor title because he was there for a long time. Roderick Strong, like, you know, like big I e. think the, the one that pops into my head always is Mark Henry. Yeah, there you go. You know, Mark Henry is the world champion. It was just like, oh, you know what I mean? And there wasn't even really a groundswell, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, because, like, you could argue with Kofi was a similar thing, but, like, the crowd really got behind Kofi, even if it was for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But as far as, like, Tito, just like I said, I thought as a mid-card guy, I mean, Vince obviously brought him in to be that workhorse, like you said, that – I mean, he had – I was watching some of these matches he's having with guys – like on those TNT shows and every match he's like trying to have a classic. It's funny. Like, even if they're not, he was way more athletic yeah. than a lot of these guys. So ahead of his time, I guess for me, it was also, I mean, if you remember, like he was kind of the guy that would fight the guy that Vince was trying to get over too. If you mm-hmm. remember, like at like WrestleMania, um, who did he fight? Did he fight nails or something? Oh, when he was El Matador, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Was that? Uh, I believe it was. I, I, just, I can't remember it. It Vince seems did. about right. But you know what I mean? Like when a guy, when Vince is putting you in there to make this other guy look good, I mean, that's respectable, you know? Like I think his um, his Hall of Fame status is absolutely, you know, he, sh- he deserves it. You know right. what I mean? Like Which you is... guys, not everybody can be the top guy. You know, it takes a team of people to, you know, make make the world wrestling federation it waters it down and it and it's just like like frank said like it used to be a stepping stone and now i'm not like a fan of like that formulaic like okay first you're gonna be european then you're gonna be in like i don't think you should always work your way up but you could differentiate their status you know which was which was awesome um and as far as mr wonderful i think you know i was reading about him just because i'm a fan but like pre-WWF he was a tag team specialist he bounced around um I think it was like a while before Vince Jr. even like I guess realized that he could be a heel because he was booked as a baby face tag team specialist apparently but my memories of Mr. Wonderful were like yeah there was Hogan and I loved Piper but like he was that third guy to me that seemed important you know Mm -hmm. like it might not have worked without yeah. him at that time like you said frank like the definition of a heel and um i i've really just thought it was bizarre when he went into the hall of fame like i guess he was still in character but i don't know if you guys remember he was so cold as ice to hogan on the stage <laughs> he was just being like super heelish still and i'm like is this guy just a dick but, yeah 
Yeah, I don't know. He always played the part really well. So I guess I'd say about. I mean, he could have been better, you know, like Hogan kind of fucking took off, and yeah, it's true. Especially but, when they were in WCW later, like in the '90s, when Hogan had like all the stroke, you know what I mean? And then Mr. Wonderful's doing weird stuff in the middle of the well, show, okay. you know, like team or like doing the Mr. Wonderful thing where he's looking in the mirror and mirror. stuff. Yeah, he's a guy that like I feel is overlooked for some reason. Like he's not mentioned a lot. I know he didn't have all these classics, but like if you watch him, he was super solid in the ring. Obviously, you know, the look, the the the, the charisma, his promo, like he was a rambler. Like, I'm not gonna say yeah, like yeah. his, you know, but like um he's not often talked about, and he was such a big part of that that era. So wanted to mention him. Um, and I think like right around then it was all about national exposure. We're not like reliving it second by second here but i wanted to at least kind of like get the idea where we were in 82 83 before hogan arrived and the hulkamania boom happened and um yeah i was reading vince senior actually released hogan in 81 when he was filming rocky 3 behind his back so that's he thought it was like bad for uh kayfabe yeah exactly so he was already in a movie before Vince Jr. brought him in. Um, I feel like it was AWA that swooped in. I guess they had him and, and they were pushing him as a baby face. Um, he was actually a heel in WWF, Vince Sr.'s version. Yeah. But um, anyways. Top guy in AWA too. Top guy, like loved him. Like you could see that Hulkamania stuff there. But Vern. He didn't want to pay him. That, I think the struggle of uh, AWA always, at the end of the day, was Vern Gagne, because like he was too stuck in his ways, too hard headed. You know what I mean? Just he was the guy, like Vince, like all these other promoters. But you know, it bit him in the ass the worst. You know what I mean? Because he lost Hogan. You look. Eventually, all these guys started going over, but losing Hogan at that time and like for to put Bachwinkle as a champion. I like Nick Bachwinkle personally. You know what I mean? But like. It's just, it was just a bad move, you know what I mean, for the time. Yeah, before we 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 pause tr- this real quick. Yeah, I, I just want to whiz real quick. Go go whiz. Back too many, too much whiz. <laughs> Mic'd up. Yeah, this is fine. Um, this is like super, um, like unprepared in a way for me. Like I feel like I want to touch on things, but I don't need to go down their list, right? Yeah, like, well, the thing about it is just, like, for, like, this kind of episode, right? It's sort of, like, we're so sort of cover. We're trying to cover such Years. a big, Yeah, it's, like, a decade of, or at least a half a decade of stuff, early 80s. And with the territories, like, because at this time, most of these territories are more relevant than the WWF. That's why I you want know, Duke to yeah, chime in coming up. Yeah. I want to hear about Dusty. I think he was in Florida yeah. at the time. And Flair, like, I need to... Maybe he can lend a little, or maybe yeah, even you. Yeah. I'm not too keen on some of that. Yeah, like I don't really like, listen. I, you know, I don't, I didn't watch any of it, obviously, at the time, you know, as it happened, but like I just like to watch old shit. You know what I mean? Like I was looking at uh, the first Starcade, you know what I mean? Which was like, I don't know when a year was 82 or something. Yeah, like it was like, I think 82. Yeah, so 83. Like 83. It may have been 83, but like I like to watch that stuff because it's such a, like a mind fuck, you know, because you have like Abdullah the Butcher with carlos cologne on the card yeah you know what i mean it and looks like, like a fire pro roster like, yeah, yeah exactly and then like harley race versus flair is like the main event you know what i mean and it's just like 
so I like to watch this stuff, but like it's I think it's tricky for us because we this isn't stuff we watch watched. You know what I'm saying? So it's sort of like do you find yourself though trying to become like I'm a little older than you, but like I've tried to become more of like I guess a historian. Yeah, I, I feel like that. Yeah, I feel like I try to like because listen, out here especially, I know with you guys, it's like you guys probably know more well duke definitely knows more wrestling you almost for sure know more wrestling than me but you guys are just older you've watched more whatever but like out here with my buddies i'm like that guy giving them all the knowledge you know what i mean so sort of like i'd like to like know what i'm talking about you know i feel like 2008 or 2007 till now you could probably you know run circles around me as far as the national wrestling scene i think my my I think because I left for years in that time, you know what I'm saying. So like even ROH vibe, and everything. Well, like yeah, well ROH I didn't jump until it was like Brian was the champion and like these Japanese guys were because like I didn't jump into ROH like Punk days or Joe days. You know what I mean? It was already Nigel and Brian and Austin Aries and oh okay the Briscoes and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So, so, so that was like, all retrospect. You watch that stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, punk so, like, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So like all that stuff, because I remember talking to Duke. Duke, when we met, when Brian Danielson came into our store, it was like Duke was like, "Oh, this dude's like a a real good wrestler." And I'm like, "That's like, uh, you know what I mean?" I'm like, "This dude, you know." And it's like, "Yeah." And I remember him talking about matches like with Morishima and stuff like that. But like that first show I went to of Ring of Honor was, I think, with both of you guys. I don't know if you went. That's when Duke met Misawa. Oh yeah. And like kento was there and all those dudes i marked out for kento it was like a japanese main event you know what i mean like that was my first ring of honor show at the armory you know what i mean so it wasn't like i was i because i was out of wrestling for a while there because wwe kind of lost me you know what i mean like and so like from 90 i would say from like 96 to like 2000 and like five six you know what i mean something like that that's when i'm probably like I was all in, you know what okay. I mean? But then, but then after that, it was like a few years, a few years of me not knowing anything because I just stopped watching. Yeah, like, dude, we were when, talking. When Eddie died, I wasn't even watching. You know what I mean? Like wrestling at that point, at that moment. You know really? what I mean? Like, yeah, I was like, I was just out of it. Obviously, I loved Eddie, but like. Was that 09 or am I wrong? 08? Uh, um, I'm not sure. That, that era, I was a little out. I remember specifically because it was the rated RKO was like dominant. And I was like yeah, so yeah. out on that. I, I just didn't do anything for me. Um, dude, he really died quick. in 2005. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Eddie Guerrero? Oh my gosh. I'm crazy? way off at that time. I... Duke, we were just talking, uh, you know, I, I wanted to get back in because I was asking him like, you know, I'm going through this timeline and whatnot and I'm trying to, we're trying to cover a lot and, and I'm reading off these names. It's a little chaotic and I'm definitely not like super prepared. And Duke Frank was like, yeah, like I want to also not forget some of these other territories, which is important. So I want to kind of like transition back in now, if you can talk a little bit about anything you might know about, like Dusty, I guess was in Florida around this time. Flair. Remember, like I didn't, I didn't watch. And so like, listen, brother, I didn't watch until, I don't know, 85, maybe. Right. So like, Dusty, when was you, when were you introduced to Dusty then? In NWA. Okay. Like I definitely watched NWA wrestling, you know, um, what year did Hogan beat the Sheik? Was that uh, 80? 84. 84. Okay. I probably, I watched then. So my dad passed away. I didn't start watching wrestling until after he was gone. So I guess I was seven. Um, okay. 
So I remember the Sheik. I remember when I watched NWA wrestling, I was like, you know, I watched both, but I was like, all right. So I watched WWF, but I was like, but this is like the real wrestling. Yeah. Because WA, like they bled and, you know, stuff like that. Um, I guess when I watched Dusty, he was probably feuding with the horsemen. Um, and I actually, Ric Flair was the first bad guy I ever cheered for. Okay. So. In the NWA? Like, yes. Okay. So I was like pro Flair. But I, I like Dusty too and Magnum TA. And they were a team. Um, and then obviously Magnum had that awful accident that ended his career. But um, yeah, Dusty was awesome. But again, I just loved Flair. Like, I don't know what it was like about him i guess like we talked about earlier like charisma but um i always liked him even uh the 92 rumble to jump not to jump all over the place i'm gonna i'm gonna jump all over the place yeah Uh, absolutely me and my buddy steve were kids and his brother-in-law rented the royal rumble 1992 and it was like bulldog and flair in the ring and like i was like all right let's go rick flair and he couldn't believe that like I was cheering for Ric Flair. You know what I mean? Um, and he ended up giving me like a stack of wrestling magazines, but That's Ric so Flair, cool. I ever cheered for you. Yeah. So yeah, I know that you're, um, I like Dusty, but um, for sure I was a Flair fan and the horse. Well, more so Flair than the horseman. Cause I would kind of like cheer for Dusty against the other guys, but mm-hmm. Frank, do you got any Dusty? What was your earliest Dusty memory besides him joining the NWL? <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite Dusty moment, actually. Uh, no, I, I mean, the, the Dusty stuff I know is like the four horsemen beef, breaking his arm in the door. You know what I mean? All that stuff, Starcade main events with Flair. You know, so it's like it's it's very mid-80s NWA. You know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah, I feel like his stuff with Hart. I started to dig in more to his stuff with Harley Race. Um, you know, seeing those, you know, they were stiff, man. Like yeah, they were definitely that was before my time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just starting to finally, like I was I was saying to Frank, like as the older I get, I'm more obsessed with like becoming a historian for any passion that I have. And with wrestling, it's like seeing that stuff for the first time now, like it's about the only thrill I can get. I feel like watching wrestling now is like, you know, here and there. I mean, AWA is, you know, good stuff. But like when I see these like old shows for the first time, it's it's the closest I feel to like when I first started getting into wrestling, you know, yeah. You know, and I'm a sucker for like AWA specifically. I always like kind of bring up AWA because I used to watch it every night on ESPN Classic. Yep. You know what I mean? So like it was like, and it was kind of like the dreadful time of AWA that they would always put on AWA class every um, ESPN Classic. Every now and then you got some good stuff, you know. But it was like the Greg Gagne, yeah. You know what I mean? Stuff, but yeah. you still got Kurt Hennig. You know what I mean? You got Scott Hall every now and then. You still saw Nick Bockwinkel because Bockwinkel was always around, you know. But you know, one guy like that I've like learned to like appreciate, and I used to think I would hate on him is Magnum TA. You know, oh, watching he had it, man. Yeah, he had to me. I mean, he's the guy who I, I think about like, oh man, if that accident didn't happen, he would have been enormous. Like, yeah. I think he would have been a huge star, man. 
Mm-hmm. He had everything. Scott Hall wanted to be Magnum TA, dude. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he if you look at him, yeah. He looked exactly like him. And it's not disrespect to Scott Hall. I love him. No, he did. Uh, I was watching Cor- Cornette like tarred and feathered him, you know, and it was just like, like you could see like the rage in his eyes, you know what I mean? And he would like wanted to kill Jim Cornette. And he looked like Magnum, he could. Yeah, you know? he looked like he could. He looked great. Yeah, he's one of the guys that I think of like, dude, if that doesn't happen, what's like the wrestling landscape? Yep. You know what I mean? Because that's cool to think about because, you know, Frank, I know you read comics like the what if. Mm-hmm. It's cool to think about, like, what if, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, Those are the fun, yeah. So, like, if Magnum TA never gets hurt, Nikita Koloff never happens. He never mm-hmm. turns good, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, one cool thing while we're on the subject of Dusty Rhodes, he lost, I forget if he lost, like, a Loser League Town match, but he came back as, like, the Midnight Rider. Did you Did you guys ever hear about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, that, was that in GCW or Global <laughs> Chip? Oh, okay. Yeah. And he just wore a mask, and it's like, you know, blatantly Dusty Rhodes, but yeah. it's just fun. It was just cool. It's fun to think about. Like, I feel like Magnum TA has like a 100% approval rating. If you, oh you know what I'm saying? Like, whether it's Frank or anyone from Energy Generation, if you watch stuff from Magnum, everybody knows he could have been, yeah, like, like the, dude. the dude. But it's funny dude. to see guys like that um magnum ta and then even hogan like it's obvious right to 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 everyone but then these certain guys that were like pushed and and just glorified and put on the highest like dory funk some guys will be like dory funk and i know he was a big part of like the early 80s late 70s you watch him and you're just like it could have never happened like it was for for the wwf like so he might be like stone cold's favorite wrestler ever or flair Ray Stevens, Jack Briscoe. You look at these guys and it's like, I know times change and whatnot, but um, do you guys think it's it's like with Dory Funk and guys like that? Like, do you feel like they deserve the praise or is it, I mean, it's all subjective, but. I mean, for the time, right? Like, because Dory Funk, I think of more as like a 70s guy, you know, and obviously it was just different then. You know what I mean? Because like, would Terry Funk be the dude in, Vince's WWF, you know what I mean? Like the guy, you know what I mean? Like it's all, it's, it's all, it's debatable. Apparently Vince wanted him to be, yeah, like I think he's a top guy, but yeah, but you know, you just, it was just so different then, you know what I mean? So like I just look at it like, like from a historical aspect, I look at it like how I look at like, um, like NFLers or baseball players or whatever. It's like, is would Babe Ruth be able to hit these pitchers today? I don't know. Right. You know what I mean? Like, who knows? It's the age but, old argument, yeah, right? But he was the dude. You know what I mean? Like, he was the dude and he has the numbers. He got the accolades. You know what I mean? And it's an unfair it's just thing how it goes. Like, yeah. to, to compare errors sometimes, yeah. I guess. It's just, I was just bringing up Dory Funk and guys like that. Even guys like Tully Blanchard. Like, I know a I lot Tully. of guys. You love Tully. A lot of guys love Tully. But, like, Tully Blanchard. The biggest problem with Tully Blanchard is that he was in a faction with Ric Flair. Yeah. So you think. I mean, he- Dude, Telly Blanchard was awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Him and Magnum TA's matches, him and Dusty's matches, him and Arn as a team, he was awesome. It's just he was overshadowed by arguably, you know, the greatest to ever do it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you can go down a list and talk about some of those guys that didn't have the, you know, the fresh coat of paint that Vince would put on them. 
like you know to your point i don't see dory funk as like the guy but wrestling was different you know? right terry funk sure as like your top heel 100 i can see terry funk being your top heel because he could work you hated his guts you know like i to me and again, this is a thing with age that I look back on. I'm like, damn, man, he was really good. You know, yeah. I think you find appreciation for guys, you know, um, after the fact, you know, like, yeah. when we were kids, we hated IRS. But like, dude, like Mike Rotunda is one of the greatest heels of all time. Yeah. I didn't like, even know him as the U.S. Express version. Yeah, exactly. It was like, only in retrospect. Mike Rotunda, yeah. like the varsity club, like you hated him, dude. Like, well, do you think that IRS gimmick hurts? Like, the it's weird to say because it's such a, like a well known gimmick, you know what I mean? But I feel like it hurts like legacy of his, you know what I mean? Because it came I, like a it kind of came like a joke. Nah, I disagree. Because what whether you have a gimmick or not, if you got a reaction out of fans, dude, people hated that guy. Yeah. Man. You know, like, I mean, and I like gimmicks, by the way, but I think he absolutely, I don't even know. Is he in the Hall of Fame? Because I think he should be 100%. Is he? Yeah, I don't know. He's not. I think he should be, too. You know what I mean? Like, I definitely think he should be. Because he's one of the guys. Mike Rotunda? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, he's not in the Hall of Fame. Dude, he had essentially three different careers, like, and they were all successful. Like, he had the U.S. Express successful right would, would we agree that that's successful mm-hmm. oh definitely to nwa he was a member of the varsity club won the tv title was a hated heel i hated his guts dude when i was a kid and then irs you know like wins the tag team titles like with with ted DiBiase. um and again a hated heel like i don't know dude like and another like, guy that I think in retrospect, you have so much more of an appreciation for guys and he's one of them for sure. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so you know who I was a fan of that is he's one of those guys that you're like, you, you were the champ, like is uh, Ronnie Garvin. <laughs> I, I love Ronnie Garvin and I don't know what it is about Ronnie Garvin. He's just one of those dudes. You know what I mean? But like, it's, is it his feud with Greg Valentine? <laughs> yeah valentine yeah and like when you see like flair going at garvin the levels you know the level difference between the two just like on yeah. the mic and just all around it's kind of like it's kind of hysterical you know what i mean but i just love ronnie garvin it just flair has up like, for ronnie garvin dude does he yeah <laughs> that's funny yeah we all we definitely all have our favorites that don't make any sense right yeah. like especially um when you look back at some of them guys like ronnie garvin looked like a dude that would just get piss drunk at a bar yeah yeah start like hitting on your girl for no reason and then knock you out with that and then punch. knock me out and take yeah. my girl but <laughs> it's just it's you know like, interesting do you guys know that he was actually jimmy garvin's like stepdad step i don't think i father i did not know that but they would team together as brothers that's funny oh that's so bizarre i never knew that um, did you guys know that? So once Hogan came in, I mean, you could just literally say the rest is history, but we're not going to do that. We got to get into some details. And on the next episode, I want to dive more into like the build towards WrestleMania and where the state of the, the wrestling world was in 84. But just to kind of get into a little bit more of a timeline, 
at that time, like Vince cut off all the allegiance to New Japan, NWA, AWA. Vince Sr., I guess, was still working with them at the time. Yeah. Like, okay. And um, Stampede was uh, absorbed by Vince. So mm-hmm. you're talking about that crop of talent. You know, I won't. I mean, Brett, we can get into those guys later. But all these, you know, there was like definitely. Bad News Brown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there was um, a line drawn in the sand, I think, at that point where Vince kind of started to say, if you guys are, aren't going to get on my level with the closed circuit and the TV deals, you know, you're going to have to play catch up. And um, mm-hmm. it's just interesting to know. I guess it was around then when like the bitterness and the the heat, I guess, started with, you know, the territory saying Vince monopolized and ruined the, the wrestling I mean, business. For sure. If you think about the guys who were tops, like in other companies, you know what I mean? Like during that time, like 84, like uh, the model, like Rick Martel, you know what I mean? Like he was a top guy. I think he was the champion in AWA. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then like. Serious. Yeah. Serious ass, you know, wrestler. Yeah. That Vince just sort of snagged. It was like everybody who was anybody was getting snagged. You know what I mean? Really quick. You know, but like like I said earlier at the beginning of this show, it's like I think that they saw the change coming when these other promotions were kind of still just doing the same old thing. You know what I mean? And it's like you see all these guys. It didn't matter if they were the champion in your show. They were just like, whatever, dude. I'll go be mid-card on Vince's show in front of bigger crowds on I'll television. Up my stock. Yeah, the whole country could see me versus just this territory. You know what I mean? Like closed circuit events were happening which we'll get to you know what i mean with like mania and stuff like that and all these things start changing in the business you know and then vince just starts taking all these guys because like i i love to be like vince killed the territories you know what i mean like i'm always like that dude but if you look at the stuff like you just are watching the shows you're just like yeah but this is where it's going you know what i mean and it's just sort of like it was i think it was bound to happen regardless you know what i mean like because i don't think these guys like Vern was not going to be doing these same shows after wrestlemania one and then like eventually like and because like jim crockett does the same thing that vince does essentially starts snagging up all these territories like combining the territories you know what i mean and that's what we how we got the nwa you know what i mean so like nwa like as a show you know what i mean and like yeah it was just what was gonna happen you know what i mean regardless you know what i mean so i just think that i'm not i'm not so sure that Vince Snag and all these guys really like d- did anything to these promotions. You know what I mean? I think they were all going to go. It was destined to, yeah, it was to, destined to go this way anyway. Mm-hmm. Especially like West Coast wrestling. Like at the time, like who was relevant in the West, like West Coast scene? You know what I mean? Like in the mid '80s, still that if the Hollywood snagged up the Hollywood Championship Pacific wrestling. That what you mean? What was that? Like Pacific Northwest? Is that what you mean? No, I'm saying the West Coast, like San Francisco and like Hollywood. You know what I mean? Even like I don't even know Portland. Like yeah, because like they those they Hollywood was already washed. I think yeah, they closed you know. before Vince had a chance. Well, to they look. like Pacific Northwest wrestling, but that yeah, wasn't see, really. It was just like all these territories were going to kind of like dying, like fading away. You know what I mean? There was a few big guys, world class in Texas. AWA and where were they Minneapolis or Minnesota yeah Yeah. Um, you know what I mean like obviously mid-south mid-atlantic but like that was it and then it was just and mid-atlantic was part of the NWA so 
What I thought was yeah, they, interesting I, about really quick is like with Stampede, just getting back to like absorbing some of these territories, cutting off ties. Once Vince bought out like that crop of talent, the Bretts, Bulldog, Dynamite, all those guys, they used Stampede as their NXT. Uh, essentially, it was their developmental territory up until like mid 85. It's just cool to like think Stu was still kind of part of like because Vince always seemed to respect Stu and, and like had an allegiance. He did to the hearts. Um, but yeah, at that evolve or die, dude. Mm. You know, like Vince was a visionary and he saw, you know, what no one else saw. And he took these guys and he took them to the highest of highs, man. You know, like, but the counterpoint is, you know, I'm not like this huge Eric Bischoff fan, but like they talk about Bischoff, they're like, oh, he just stole talent. It's like it's a game. What did Vince do? You know, yeah, that's the like, game. Let's just be fair. You know, like if I've learned anything, like doing some of these rewatches from the early '80s, it's that definitely history definitely repeats itself. Like Vince absorbing and buying up all these guys, taking all these guys' contracts on, like to know that guys like Piper were in Mid Atlantic and they were somebody there, or to know that Brett was somebody in Stampede or Billy Graham in Mid Atlantic, whoever. Like they existed before Vince and he did, you know, he brought in all this talent and did his own thing, but it's exactly what I was criticizing AEW for recently. But you just, you see history repeats itself, you know, like I was just stunned to to realize, I guess, that Vince, when he started, he really didn't have any homegrown talent and the stuff he did like bob Backlund, like it didn't even he didn't even last so i mean like that's kind of how it always is with any kind of like expansion in any sport right Right. like any an expansion team you sort of you have to pick players off of other people's teams or whatever it is usually the bottom of the roster yeah Yeah, you know you're just you're you're piecing together what you could piece together until you get a guy or till you grow develop a guy or whatever the case is you know like you look out like obviously vince like struck a home run with Hogan, Hogan, you know what I mean? Like the yeah. biggest home run you could get, but it's sort of like, but he was always going to develop dudes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like eventually you steal them, you repackage them, you make them mm-hmm. their own thing. You know, mm-hmm. like some people, I mean, obviously the argument with today's wrestling is that maybe they're not repackaged so much anymore, you know, but it, I, I just think like as time harder to get with change, now, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like, it's, you can't just slap on a gimmick with people because the people are a little more jaded now in days than they were back then. But even back then they hated it though. You know what I mean? Like when Vince, like that black, what was it? Saturday they call it or whatever it was like people when he showed up in that Georgia television, like they hated that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they hated it. Vince. They thought it was goofy. You know what I mean? And all that. So sort of like you just have to adapt or you don't. And like, I think like with today's wrestling, they're all, everybody's stealing stuff, but like Vince has always done it. Even in the nineties, he did it. You know what I mean? Like would Vince's TV be the same if he wasn't taking all those WCW guys and those ECW guys, you know what I mean? It's sort of like, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. You know what I mean? Like the biggest stars were his guys, but. But where, but where you got to give credit to Vince, uh, you know, is like the, the being the visionary, like seeing, being a little bit ahead of the curve with some things, you know what I'm saying? Like, even though I know he probably low key, hates wrestling or or you know the actual you know combat part of it um he used that platform just to like create his vision man like you got to give him props for at least seeing ahead like because he knew i guess he knew you had to bring in 
the glitz and the glamour, not just the this this you know the circus aspect like the once again it's not about you know it's just not i know it's not to me and i mean some people it is rick martell versus jake the snake at wrestlemania that crowd is in the palm of their hand and they don't even touch each other man you know what i mean like it's not about wrestling and vince saw that and you know I'm, listen, I love a good wrestling match, like a basic technical wrestling match. Like before the whole awful tragedy, Chris Benoit was my favorite pro wrestler. So like it doesn't get more bland than him. You know what I mean? Like he's just a wrestler. But I think at the end of the day, like it does come down to more than that. And Vince saw that. And he yeah. took all these guys that just wrestled and made them – I mean, enormous, like, superstars, you know? They weren't wrestlers. They were superstars. It's like, you Just know? that branding wonder, of I, the name superstar, yeah. I mean, was genius of itself. But I wonder, too, though, with Vince making these guys super, like, they did all become superstars, but they became superstars because all the eyeballs became just on them. You know what I mean? Like, eventually, right? When he expanded the WWF into all yeah, these other territories. His his version of them though too yeah but like Like, if you look at a company like new japan they have as many people watching over in japan as like vince had in the 80s watching here right 80s early 90s they have everybody and over there it's like all technical wrestling not all but you know what i mean like a lot of just wrestling you know what i mean it's not characters and all that and they have these countries and that whole side of the world loving that stuff even in like the english like the uk scene too it's more about wrestling and like I wonder, and it's just because that's what they're seeing, you know what I mean? And it's sort of like if Vince decided to do this crazy expansion and it was all just wrestling, it wasn't like the, you know, like the the show that we got, like the with the gimmicks and the excitement and all that. And if he just did all, if he had all the lights and you know flashing lights and like pyro and all that, but it was just guys wrestling, I think the eyeballs being on it, that's just what wrestling would have been, you know what I mean? Like I think he made them bigger stars, but I feel like they would have always been stars just because that's where the exposure was. And look at, look at t- today's wrestling, right? You know what I mean? Like, are these guys like the biggest and best guys or is that what people are watching? You know what I mean? It's just, I look at it like this and I could sum it up and those are great points. And I, you definitely got me on some of those. Cause I feel like, you know, they were stars because of Vince. That's <laughs> just always been my opinion. But if you look at it like this, like I just watched the stranger things finale, right? He's wearing, this is the biggest show in the world. It's like, Hogan shirt. He's wearing a Hulk Hogan shirt. He's not wearing a shirt, a Ric Flair shirt. He's not wearing a Dusty Rhodes shirt. Uh, you know, Great Muda, Masao, whoever you want to throw out there. And mm-hmm. I mean, Vince McMahon, there's people that they don't even know what wrestling is, but they know who Hulk Hogan is. Yeah, and they yeah, know yeah. what the dub they still call it the WWF, even mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Vince stamped it. There, there are I, literally people that don't know that any other wrestling exists mm-hmm. like they think that monday night at eight o'clock is wrestling and that's that and that's yeah. all they know you know mm-hmm. like so for sure and i but like i i think a part of that is just television you know what i mean and the more homes you're in regardless of the product right like we see like the biggest movies all the time are nonsense you know what i mean it's not about making it bigger than it needs to be if the most eyeballs are on it it's just going to be bigger 
you know what I mean? Like always, you know, and it's just, that's just how it goes. You know, that, that's where I think Vince is the genius is that he expanded before everybody else expanded. He got into places that other people weren't in. He got shows on TV that other people were never going to see, especially during those territory days. You know what I mean? Like you would never have seen his show if you weren't in that like East coast, whatever that is. So like, I just think that's like a big part of it. Like he made these guys stars. Yes. But the big move is getting people to see them in the first place. You know what but I mean? Some like, guys worked out and some guys didn't. So which still yeah, I mean, tells but that's me just the nature of the game though. Right. Like that's, that's like anything like some, not everybody's going to be what you think they're going to be. You know what I mean? Or even if they come in super hype, not everybody lives up to expectations. You know, sometimes people are disappointing. Sometimes people's hearts just fall out of love with things. You know what I mean? And they just don't care. Like they used to, you can't, you get a check and you move on and you're just happy. You know, you're just happy to be there, you know? And it's like, I think that's just the nature of like hard work and wanting to get yourself over, you know what I mean? As well. Cause Vince, you can't convince us. How many times has Vince tried to shove somebody down our throats? That was going to be the next big thing. And it was just nothing. You know what I mean? Cause I've like, always respected Vince. I always respected Vince's uh, intuition though. And like, especially mm -hmm. watching some of this older stuff, like I would just, I'd love to do, I'd love some statisticians to crunch some numbers and see his, his success rate with like just who he knew, like just based on interaction in an interview or whatever. And I would just because I feel like he his intuition's always been one of his strong points. Like you could hope you could point out what he got wrong, but when he gets it right, and for me, like as a wrestling fan, like when wrestling's at its best, I love it. And when mm -hmm. like when the WWF was great, I loved it. Who's and the guy though you think in the late 80s, early 90s that Vince made a star, but they weren't also a big star where he, he snagged them from? Late 80s, early 90s? Yeah, you know. When he, he made when a big star. Yeah, because if you look at these guys, like Hogan was as over as anybody, right? JYD was as over as anybody. You know, a lot of these guys were already big stars. Vince sort of, he shined them up real nice, you know, Ultimate and presented Warrior. them to big people. Ultimate Warrior. Ultimate Warrior, that's a good one. He was yeah. a mid-bingo warrior. Yeah, but yeah. he also wasn't around very long either. You know what I mean? But like other, like... Well, we brought up guys. I mean, Snooker was a journeyman. Like he was just an NWA bouncing around. I mean, he, he, but you know, it all, it all goes to your point of like, he had the eyeballs, I guess. This could go around in circles and circles. I want to do say, I want to say this, because like, as we go on next episode, I want to get into, like I said, the build to mania. I want to talk about Hogan specifically, because I just like glossed over him signing, but that's, you know, we got, I want to talk about that, but before we kind of sign off here soon in 84, like it wasn't just Hulk Hogan. So I'm going to read you these three names that Vince brought in the same year as Hulk Hogan. And just think about how like mind blowing this is Bret Hart. He absorbed him from stampede Bobby, the brain Heenan from the AWA both super and, over and Roddy Piper from mid Atlantic. Those three guys and one with Hogan in one year. Yeah, it's crazy. Like unbelievable. So really mm -hmm. quick before we head out, I just want short thoughts, quick thoughts, whatever you have on your mind. Brett, earliest memory of Brett. Or favorite, favorite memory of Brett. Anything. Be talking to either one. I I'll like, talk about Brett for two hours. Yeah, so. I know. I like for me personally, obviously, not going as far back, but like king of the ring brett you know winning that king of the ring that whole feud you know what i mean like i love that time of brett you know what i mean all that memphis stuff too like 
you know how it's like different from Memphis territory to Vince the show. You know what I mean? Like it was just cool. very to me, cool. that's to me that stuff is like super cool. There's so many Brett. Well, I was moments, just yeah. Like, I guess we could fit like the earliest memory. But or did you did you love like Bret Hart from the Momi Washington? Or was it like you had to warm up to him? It took some warming up to him. You know what I mean? Like for me personally, you know what I mean. But I was very young too. You know so. But he was like on the Simpsons, you know what I mean? So all of a sudden I'm I'm just like, oh man, you know what I mean? Like he has to be the dude, you know, for me. So I'd I say for me, Duke, yes. I remember okay. telling Duke years ago that Bret Hart had no charisma, just busting balls, you know. And he, he was like such a I love Bret. He's top five for me. The blast. But uh, but you know, I just for me, I think it was the just being a child, the aesthetics, like being enamored by colors. So like the pink got me, of course. Mm-hmm. And um Brett was, I'll just say it like flat out, like for me, like, or any kid that like maybe didn't have a male figure at home, Brett was that dude that was like, you know, wholesome and he stood for something. And we had, you know, there it is. As bro. Like, I feel like a lot of dudes have said that about Brett. Like he kind of took like stance as like this guy who you could look up to. And, you know, it could be cheesy, but mm-hmm. um, for sure, like the early stuff with the King of the Ring, um, the stuff with Owen, mm-hmm. even before that, like uh, even beating Flair, like on a, you just watched it on Superstars. Like it happened, you know, three days later at a house show. He's the new champ. Like there was no build up, There was no mm-hmm. yes chant. There was no groundswell, you know, on the internet. for He won the title and it's just like they announced it. But yeah, it those is are my earliest memories of Brett. Yeah, it is interesting seeing him become like a top guy and Vince's show like if you watch it back and it's just like because he doesn't sort of seem to fit any of the criteria that Vince would have looked for you know what I mean but he had that love for the hearts for whatever reason you know what I mean so yeah. all the hearts I don't know Vince yeah. well, or Duke what I called you Vince, Vince. <laughs> yo Vince what's your what, <laughs> That's what's good your shit. what's your earliest Brett memory because you probably got the whole deal yeah definitely the heart foundation okay but I did always like, there's certain guys that I, I always liked. Uh, like, I always liked Austin, Stunning Steve Austin. I always liked Cactus Jack. Like, there are certain dudes I always liked that ended up becoming huge. Um, and we're certainly not going to gloss over Bobby the goddamn brain. He, no, no, no. Because, listen. Listen, kid. I'm not, I, I, I was, you know, I was going to give Bobby his own. Master of all time. The greatest the commentator of all time the in goat. my um Roddy the best White, all around for sure performers. He, he unbelievable and like always liked him, but super appreciative of of him now. You know, Bobby. Uh, also, Roddy Piper. Um, you know, you watch this old Mid Atlantic stuff. He was like the everyday guy, like. He's sitting on the back of a pickup truck and like, you know, with his dog and, you know, he's just blazing ass baby face. And once again, to Vince's credit, he took him and he made him like the top heel in the company. So, you know, sure. These guys were talented. I'm not saying like, you know, this isn't a Vince appreciation podcast, but like, I'm going to call a spade a spade. This dude took guys that were good and made them fucking icons like because without Vince Piper isn't that I'm sorry he's not Hogan isn't that either you know yeah um, so you named Piper Brain I named Bra- uh, Bobby Brett oh. and Piper 
those were the three along with Hogan. Brett. Yeah, and my um, favorite wrestler. So there you go. I just wanted to say real quick with Piper, I feel like you're right. I did always like I did always like him. I thought he was just you know he's like a cool dude, you know. And to your point, like saying like that you know you didn't have a father figure. All three of us didn't have that. Maybe there's something to that. My dad died when I was six, you know, like. So maybe there's something to that. Maybe that's something we talk about later, but all four guys immensely talented and deserving of every accolade that they get. Cause like them or not, Paul Kogan is the biggest name in the history of pro wrestling and can't nobody tell me different. It might never change either. I don't know if it will ever change. I mean, and- the rock because of Hollywood, you know what I mean? Arguably become, but not because of his wrestling career. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, the rock is the greatest to ever like ascend. Obviously yeah, he's yeah. the biggest actor in Hollywood, but dude, when your mom and your grandma and like your aunts and stuff know who these people are, like there's something to be said for that, man. Yeah. I yep. mean, the, the crossover with Hogan, we'll definitely get into that real quick. I wanted to say about Piper. Um, Piper, uh, he had that match with Greg the Hammer, the dog cop before mm-hmm. WWF. So to, to Frank's point really quick, like maybe Piper would have been, I don't, but Vince turned him loose. He gave him Piper's pit. It's one of the first things he gave Piper, which is like the foresight. Once again, the intuition, like yeah. I'm going to give this guy a show and let your Piper was the OG trash talker. I mean, he, you know. So to turn him loose like that and, and yeah, basically and never look back. Vince. Yeah, it's not to discredit Vince either because obviously yeah. you gotta you gotta put the guy in the spot, right? Like it, like like we said a million times, Vern didn't want Hogan in that spot. You know what I mean? Like if he put if he put Hogan in the spot, who knows what happens to Vern's company? You know what I mean? Yep. Who knows? But he didn't put him in the spot, and Ho- and Vince did. You know what I mean? Piper yep. is a similar thing. Vince Vince put him in that spot. You know, and obviously the. Especially, and I'm not even the craziest Piper fan. I know you guys are like way bigger Piper guys than me. It's my number one. But two. <laughs> he, main, he main evented WrestleMania one, right? Like it doesn't get much bigger in in a historical aspect. It doesn't I mean? even happen without yeah. him, in my opinion. You and needed the- that. You needed it. Not. So and once, I- you know, Vince saw it. But it takes two to tango, right? Like, he, of course, helped. The thing I'll say about Piper, and then I'll be done with him, there will never be another one. He was original. How many people can say that in pro wrestling? Like, because Hogan and Dusty and Macho and Flair all were emulating people. Piper did his own thing, and he became emulated. When you listen to like Dr. Tom Pritchard, who was awesome, like a great hand, as they say, he tried to do Piper interviews. If you watch him, go back and watch. He's emulating Roddy Piper. There will never be another Rod, Rowdy Roddy Piper. And there's something to be said for that, you know? No disrespect to him, but I just feel like Vince saw something in him and was like, all right, dude, come do it. You know what I mean? He provided the platform. And like I said, that fresh coat of paint. Preach. Yeah, no, 100% on that. And I think with Piper, real quick, like I've heard people say he's an acquired taste. Like he's just like everything, you know, and I I get it because he's, you know, he's all over. But once you, I guess, really can, you know, recognize the genius of Piper, you can't deny 
how yeah. great great he was and once again to flip it back to what duke said in the very beginning the good versus evil aspect he totally embraced being a villain early on yeah, yeah, yeah and without it it would have never ever happened it would have never worked i don't know yeah, who I mean, could have taken his place to get that kind of intense build up. yeah exactly that's what i was going to say because it's like it, to me most of his matches are kind of kind of suck if it's not for him making you believe like oh this guy this dude really hates piper you know what i mean and like piper's really getting these people riled up you know what i mean like as a from you know as a technical wrestling fan or whatever it's sort of like piper does nothing for me you know what i mean like piper yeah you know what i mean like he wouldn't do anything for anyone and that's why i say he's an acquired taste as well because also his style of cutting a promo or how he kind of went off the top when everybody it's kind of like awkward it's it's weird sounding if you don't know who it is who the guy is you know what i mean so like that's why i think it's okay and then you watch a match you're like why is this guy like the top guy or top villain but but if you start watching enough of him and you see him talking with the crowd and you see him getting under these guys skin and whatever i think that's what makes piper this next level dude you know what i mean because yep it's not the work in my opinion besides you know on the mic and i definitely did not mean to i did not mean to gloss go ahead sorry no i'm never gonna say like when we're talking about the greatest technicians in the history of pro wrestling, Roddy Piper isn't there, you know? Yeah. It doesn't change the fact. Also a guy who never really had belts, you know what I mean? Never really had titles to get him to that, you know, like a title will elevate a lot of dudes, you know? You don't need it, pal. Yeah. You don't need it, pal. I I mean, he, if anybody never needed a title, it was Piper. I would have loved to seen it, but. um, Yeah, I think like, I think he probably should have had it, you know, thinking back, but you know, I get it. It's cool though. It's, it's kind of a weird one where like, it's cool in a way he didn't. Right. Because like where guys like DiBiase or Mr. Perfect or whoever you think is like the best who didn't have the belt, those guys were like, they were like the best, like in the ring, arguably, you know what I mean? They were the best. They were really great on the mic or whatever as well, where Piper didn't have all those kind of things. So you don't, but he's sitting there main eventing WrestleMania. Yeah. So you, you don't know? feel kind of, you don't quite as bad that he didn't get the title. Cause you're like, well, low key, he kind of was like a trash wrestler, but you know, it's cool for him to not have the title because it like adds to his legacy. Like I didn't need a title where those other guys like DiBiase would have benefited from a world title in WWF, like mm-hmm. a proper one. You know what I mean? Mr. Well, Perfect. We'll, as well. we'll definitely get into those guys. And I definitely want to talk about more of like the end of 84, 85 going into that media on the next episode. But I do want to say like in closing with Piper really quick, when you see him on TNT and in those interview shows early on, like it's a change the channel moment or a a stop on the the channel moment. You know what I'm saying? Definitely not change. It's a stop on the channel moment. Like when his intensity was like completely different than anybody else that was on the show. Like he was adding something that you'd never seen before. So I feel like uh, everybody was going to gravitate towards Piper and Hogan, everything else that filled in around it. We'll, we'll get to those guys. Um, But that match, we're going to get into how that build came. Um, and I didn't want to gloss over Bobby. Like, we'll definitely, we could do a whole show on any of those four guys. But in closing, once again, you had Piper, Heenan, Brett, and Hogan all signed right before the first mania ever even happened in the same year. It's just like mind blowing when you think about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, next episode, we'll get into the, the WrestleMania one build a little bit more of 84, 85, who came in 
and then cover the territories around that time and how those were starting to change. Yeah, and we really got to cover like the Starcades, you know what I mean, from those because those shows in 84, I mean, in 85, especially, they were like doing As better big. numbers. They were doing better numbers than WrestleMania. You know what yeah. I mean? Like WrestleMania was like a big deal, obviously. And historically it goes on to be this big thing. But like at the time, you know, WrestleMania one was still, it was still a new thing. You know what I mean? Like where Starcade though was like, felt like those feel like big shows, you know what I mean? And then they are. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't want to gloss over the. I mean, '83, I believe, was the first Starcade. We can certainly retroactively get into those shows and pay them the respect. It's, I guess, yeah. to establish the Big Bang of purchasing the territories or purchasing WWF from his father, blending the territories. You know, we covered a lot, um, and we'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace.